Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast, the Gold Coast Sun Show by fans for fans. I'm your host Shane and I'd like to start off as we do each and every week and thank our Patreon sponsors. Dale Snelling, Jack's Dad, Paul Vosti, Robbie Fiorini, Brody Burgess, Kate Kelland, Chris Moore, Tom Kim and Tim. Thank you so much for your support with the show and we wouldn't be able to bring this to you every single week without your support. Now, you can join our Patreon sponsors by heading on over to patreon.com forward slash GCSunscast, where you can donate to the show and help support us. Otherwise, head on over to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, wherever you like to get your podcast from. Like, subscribe, and review the show to help more people find our GC Sunscast community. Now, last episode, we had a buy last week with the Gold Coast Suns taking a bye and then coming back last Wednesday to play Brisbane. So I took the liberty, took the time to have, have a week off, have a bit of a breather. And uh, prior to that, we had our, one of our Patreon sponsors, Paul Vosti, join us on the show and give us a great insight into his, his views with the Suns and what it means to him to be a Sun supporter. This week, I'd like to welcome to the show another Patreon sponsor, Brody Burgess, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it's good to be here. So, you've been a Patreon sponsor helping us out since August 2019, so really appreciate that, first of all. And um, I, I'd like to know, where does your journey with the Suns begin? What Did, did you grow up um, supporting another team and decide to switch to the Suns, or have you just decided to jump in, follow AFL, and follow the Gold Coast Suns from the start? Uh, actually, uh, just like you, mate, I was a Crows fan uh, before being a Suns fan. So um, my parents being uh, Adelaide um, people, they moved up to Brisbane and um, I'm a first-generation Queenslander. And I sort of, like, even though I loved the Crows, I never felt really like they were my team or represented my community. Um, so when the Suns came in and I went and saw, I think, back in... 2010, I went and saw a VFL game, Suns vs. Casey Scorpions and at Broadbeach, and there was Carmichael and Nathan Ablett waltzing around, and I just was hooked from then on in. I was, fell in love with the community and, um, you know, uh, the players and, yeah, the club. Wow, that's really eerie that we've followed such a similar path to the Suns because, yeah, I've obviously come from Adelaide. Um, I mean... Uh, how how old were you when you moved up here to Queensland? Um, I was born here, but yeah, oh, okay, yeah. My well... uh, family was uh, South Australian, um, and I sort of didn't even know that like rugby league even existed until I went to primary school. It was just all AFL from the get go. Yeah, so, yeah. 
Well, I, I had the luxury of uh, living in Adelaide, or I don't know if you'd call it the luxury anymore, <laughs> but I was there till I was about 10 years old. So I did grow up madly as a, a Crow supporter, but yeah, moving up here and going to the primary school system up here, suddenly AFL is the worst thing in the world. So I pretty quickly like stopped paying attention to it. Um, I think I held on for an extra couple of years because it was in that 96, 97 era when the Crows went on to the flag. But um, shortly after that, I, I probably stopped paying attention to football in general. And um, yeah, I jumped back on, I think, on the Crows in the, the mid-2000s when they started coming good again, played some finals. And uh, after that, yeah, the Suns were announced to come into the side. I wasn't sure about supporting North Melbourne. Um when they were touted to come to the Gold Coast, but I, I could get fully get on board with a, a local home-brewed side that I could support uh, because it's it's a huge difference supporting a team that's local and that that you've got a connection to. Uh, and yeah, I, I probably would have been at that Broadbeach VFL game as well. I do remember going to that one. So I was really keen to see Nathan Ablett and see what he could do for the Suns. Yeah, from a, from memory, I think he was a bit sluggish. I think he put on a bit of weight since leaving the Cats. Uh, but it was uh, really good to see them have a hit out. And um, yeah, and I remember going to a couple of North Melbourne games when they were playing at the old Carrara Stadium as well. And that was a, a bit of fun. And being a Crows fan, I think they played them a couple of times there as well. Yeah, they do. Um, I've got a funny story about that. Because um, I used to go to the footy with my old man. And uh, we went to an Adelaide North Melbourne game. Uh, I don't know what year it was, but Glenn Archer was still playing. We were sitting up behind the uh, the opposition interchange bench, and uh, my old man, coming from a different generation of football supporter, started hurling abuse towards Archer. <laughs> and uh, the look on his face when Archer turned around and looked at, looked at my old man suddenly, my I've never heard my old man just whimper and cower back into <laughs> into his seat. Uh, Glenn Archer's a, a bloke you don't want to piss off and um, yeah but I think the Crows came away with the win that day so all in all we had the last laugh but certainly some memories from those early years at Carrara um, so what's your favourite moment with the Suns since you've been supporting them? Um, uh, it's hard to pick a specific moment there's really a lot um, I guess from a personal standpoint uh, just the you know, going to the, the games and the, the club really does mean the world to me. And um, being part of the Suns community is so important. Uh, we've got such a terrific fan base and, and uh, we're small, but we're, you know, mighty. Um, and if I guess I have to pick a, a moment that would, you know, specifically, I would say, uh, it's just the times I've been to Metricon and gone with family and friends. Uh, in the early days, I used to, when I was still at high school, I'd, uh, so that was back in 2011 and 12 and 13. I was, uh, you know, I'd go with my my sister and my mum, which I'd really cherish. They were both passionate Suns fans. And then going with some mates who, oh, say, you know, support the Lions and all of that sort of stuff. So just, you know, getting them to come down and, and, you know, going for us as the second Queensland team was pretty special. But I guess if I have to... Yeah, be specific about it. The last two years, I've had the pleasure to introduce my girlfriend to the club and the sport in general, and she's really become uh, an avid supporter. And she knows all the players, and and um, yeah, this year she even became a member. So I'm 
yeah, really enjoying going to games with her and just enjoying the experience. Oh, that's great. Um, oh, yeah, that, that's obviously a bit of a challenge. Uh, I, I remember trying to introduce my girlfriend at the time, now wife, into um, AFL. And, yeah, she, she wasn't keen on it, although I, I probably didn't have the patience to answer every single question she'd ask while I was trying to watch the football. Um, and I just used to try to point out a bloke and say, check out that guy and you know, she'd just be distracted by the good looks of the players. For early on in the first few years, she had a crush on Jared Brennan, um, so that was a good distraction. She'd watch football just to just to watch Jared Brennan play. But she pretty quickly realised she didn't like going to the football with me uh, because I'd usually make a fool of myself, hurling abuse and yelling out. And uh, she reckons I tried to get into a fight with a Collingwood supporter one year, but I don't remember that happening. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I think my wife relative. just tends to sit by and go into another room when it's time for the football for me. But it's awesome that you've managed to get your partner and on board with the Suns uh, to the extent where she's got a membership as well. Yeah, she really loves it now. Um, she was uh, initially sort of not that keen because she's a netball girl. And um, yeah, it was uh, really good. I, I first got her involved uh with the Lions actually watching like them. And then I, I was such a big Suns fan that um, I introduced her to the Suns and, and, you know, she's really like never looked back. She's loved it from day dot. And she's is just as passionate and crazy and yelling abuse at the um, opposition and all of that sort of stuff as, as me. And she's true blue, um, red and gold for sure now. So that's really good. So how how does she feel about the AFLW? Has it had much of an impact to her? Does she really really like it, or it's just a, a side thing for the compared to the men's? I think it's uh, for her. It's just a side thing. I think I take it a little bit more seriously, but she was getting into it for a little bit there as well. Um, but yeah, I think she yeah still sort of approaches it as um, you know a side thing because uh, netball's a sort of main sport, and she sort of sees. Um, you know that is the like main female sport, um, mm. and yeah. But I, I love we love watching some of the girls' games and and um, getting down to support them. She loves uh, you know um, uh, a couple of the players. She's got she had a signature for one of them, I think, as well. So. Um, yeah. Oh, that's good. I mean, obviously, as the the AFLW and the Suns women's come on board more and more, they're going to provide more uh, opportunities to be the those role models for the, for especially the females, uh, the women, young women and girls. Um, and I think they've earned a lot of respect from the male side of the industry. Um, just seeing just how they go about their football. Uh, so that's personally really impressed me. I'm all on board with the women's and I hope that any of this stuff going on with COVID and the talk doesn't impact uh, a potential for them to have a good season next year. Um, let's get back onto topic. What's your favourite Suns win? Um, for a game perspective, in terms of like the historical consequence and what it meant for the club at the time, I think it has to be no doubt, Suns vs Collingwood, July 2014. Yeah, that's a fan from... favourite. Yeah, I, I think... I'm surprised that it's a fan favourite. Uh, but cause it, it was, I think at the time it was the, the biggest club in the land versus a small 
club in its infancy and looking back at it now, I think, particularly for fans, I think it's easy to get a sort of nasty taste in the mouth when remembering the game due to all the players that we've lost and how we progressed after that game. But um, at the time, it was an incredible win. I mean, looking back on it, our leader, who was, I think, the best player in the game and the best player of all time, in my opinion, Gary Ablett went down and our young boys still stood up stood their ground and fought out a tough win. I was sitting there with one of my best mates uh, in amongst a sea of relentless Magpie supporters, so it was very satisfying to get the win, that's for sure. It would have been, absolutely. I, I, that was the first game I'd missed as a Sun supporter, so I was a bit upset I missed that. I was watching it along on TV, but I decided to give my tickets away to my brother and his girlfriend, and uh, I don't think they fully appreciated just what they were witnessing. Um, so who's your favourite Suns player? Um, I think, without a doubt, I mean, I love them all, but uh, Jared Harbrow is my favourite, without a doubt. Um, I don't think anyone embodies the club and all the sort of young, inspirational spirit like Harbrow does. He's sort of the silent heart and leads the club on and off the field with an immense pride. I love his dash and, and off the half-back and his desire to hunt down the football. I think he rushes a uh, his kicks a bit too much, um, makes some silly angles on occasion, which I think was evident from last night as well. Um, but his off the field leadership and support of the other Indigenous players in particular and a member of the community, I think it's second to none in AFL. Um, yeah, I'm immensely proud to have him in the Gold Coast community. Yeah, I can't argue with. Uh, Harbrow as a, a favourite son. He's been there from the start and probably been one of the shining lights of the history of the Gold Coast Football Club. Uh, but it does bring into a contentious point of view that it might be time for Harbour to hang up the boots this year. What do you say to, to those people? Do you feel like they've got some sort of merit with Harbour or do you think that he's just having a bit of a rough patch and he's still got plenty to give to the club? I think he's still got plenty to give. I, I think... Um, I, if we could enter a situation where, um, look, the salary cap is up in the air, we're not really sure how it's going to go next year. Uh, if we can get him in as like a Sean Burgoyne type thing where um, we get him in for a year or two extra, he you know does his part on and off the field. Um, but uh, we can put him in some sort of Indigenous advisory role and like because he's really important to that uh, group of players. Um, and they really... like all the players really respect him so I think his leadership is uh, really important as well as his uh, on-field contribution as well yeah I think you might be right I think with the cuts to the soft cap um, we know that they're probably going to be far greater than the cuts to the salary cap so I think if Harbour's got any chance to stay with the club it's likely going to be continuing on as a player in and taking more of a development role, similar to what Michael Riscatelli did last year. Um, all right, so season 2020, what have your thoughts so far about the the Suns' chances? Did you come into the season thinking we were going to push for finals or were you hoping for just the percentage booster or competitiveness? What about season 2020 were you looking for? And have the Suns achieved that this year and impressed you? I think I always come into the year with like a sense of like uh, 
incredible optimism. Um, and I, I think most years I get quite a reality check quite early. Um, but I think I was really impressed with some of our performances and our ability, I think, to play Gold Coast footy, which I sort of define as, you know, tough, relentless, uh, flashy when it needs to be, but ultimately uh, aggressive at the football. And um, I think I, I was, you know, I think uh, that was really shown on field this year, which has really impressed me. And I, I'd give it a pass mark for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I would have... I think at the start of the season, I mean, I could go back and listen to the podcast and see what I say, but I'm not going to do that. I just can't be bothered. Um, look, I'd, I think at the start of the season, I would have had six to eight wins as what I expected us to get. We are currently sitting on, I believe, five and a half. So if we were to get a win against Hawthorne this week, that would be the six and a half wins. I'd take that. You know, that, that's about what I expected. And the pleasing thing about our season so far is our percentage. We've gone from a 60 percentage last year up to high 90s. And for a majority of this season, despite it being condensed, it's we've had about 100%. It's been up around that mark. So, no, I'd take that on board. Uh, we've had a lot of disappointing games this year, such as the obviously the Brisbane game uh, from last week. There was the Carlton game, which you could argue was because of the fixturing issues. Um, but we, we've had a lot of disappointing games. But I think overall, we've been quite competitive in pretty much every game. We've been in a winning position in 90% of those games. And I think the Suns as a whole have just developed so much more. I've criticized Stuart Chew this year and the coaching Select uh, the selection committee for not rotating players enough. Now, I get, I still think they should have. I, I'm not going to back down from that. I still think they should have rotated players, given players like Brody, Fiorini, um, uh, Peter Wright, and some of these other guys going through the reserves a chance to come in and sort of rest bodies, and so we're not exhausted. But I'm starting to see the benefits of what their goal of goal was to. Uh, I'm losing my train of thought. Uh, starting to see the benefits of what they were doing with keeping this group playing football together, and uh, I mean, you look back at it. Our, let's take our backline for example: Ballard, Collins, Butterick, Bowes. Um, help me out. I'm. Um, Going blank. Did I say Collins? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so... Any, anyway, so our back line, I think Lukosius is in there too. I'm losing track. The, my ba- Our back line, the, up until this season, I don't think any of them had been playing regular football in the back line together. Bose is only new to the back line this year. Butterick's new to the back line this year. Uh, Ballard's been a mainstay. Collins were, was injured for a large portion of last year. Lacocious only switched into defence halfway through last year. So this has really been their first full season of gelling together and they've done incredibly well holding up and propelling our club forward. Um, we've discussed in previous episodes our midfield talent with uh, Matt Rowe obviously being uh, taking the world by storm early in the season. Hugh Greenwood, I've been saying from the moment I first saw him play in Suns Colours, 
just how much of an impact he was going to have for our club, being able to withstand tackles. So we've seen huge developments and benefits from the way the club's been playing and the decisions they've made. So I'm just going to back the club in. Um, The whole Dean Solomon stuff is another issue. I think we're at the stage now where the club's all in on Stuart Chew and what he can do bring for the club. We've just got to back that in. We can't go in uh, half-cocked. We've just got to throw all the eggs in the basket and just make sure we're riding riding the wave because uh, I, I guess if you're not going all in, then you're not giving yourself the best chance of success. I think that's 100% right. I don't think I could have said it better myself. I think we've made the mistake as a club in the past of... Uh, uh, sort of um, rushing too early on these on this, these sort of decisions and um, sort of uh, over exaggerating our where the club's at. Um, but I think we've got to stick the course. And I think what you said about uh, our backline before is really good. That they're, they're getting a lot of continuity with their game. I, I've been really impressed with Bose going back there. He's playing a sort of hodgy type role um, where he's just sort of. Um, that sort of gruntish type player in the back line. And Ballard has been super impressive. And, and Collins, we really don't even need to say anything about him. He's just been superb all year for someone who was delisted and, and put on Wirraby's VFL list. And, and to us to get him was just an absolute absolute treat. Um, and he's been great. Um, so I think you're 100% right. We've just got to stay the course. And, and we've got such a young side that I think, uh, you know, all of the issues that we have really a sort of skill base and I think that'll come with time yeah and I think also the big issue is decision making as well we saw last night in the Collingwood game uh, and even in the Brisbane game the week before just the ability to make the correct decisions isn't always there for the club uh, so many times we'll see players overuse the ball and give it to a player that's in a worse position you know, with a, a bloke breathing down his neck. Um, we, we've just got to hope that this stuff comes with more experience. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Experience applying together as the coaching staff drill into these players what they're expected to do. Uh, I think our entries into the forward line is a big concern, and I figure that's going to be the next step. We saw last year they focused on defense. I think this year it was a huge focus on the midfield. And next year, I think it's going to be a huge focus on the way we get the ball into the forward line. So expecting good things from the club next year. And I guess if we're going into 2021, I'm going to be saying, all right, I'm expecting the club to get probably nine to 10 wins next year, uh, which would be pushing up the case of the finals. Uh, That is probably dependent on how many games we play next season. I'm a big fan of the 17 games. A huge fan of it, and I hope it continues. Uh, what's some of your favourite rule changes that the AFL has brought in this year? Um, well, I 
think in terms of rule changes, I'm sort of a traditionalist. I, I don't, uh, I don't really like changing the rules. I, I like the sort of old fashioned. I think I dread when the media talk about decreasing the interchange cap or change sort of rules to encourage high scoring. I'm, I'm really a big fan of um, how uh, intelligent you have to be and, and you how uh, in AFL footy where it's sort of um, you've got to outmaneuver the opposition sort of strategy-wise. And I think AFL is a very similar game to cricket in respect. It's a brutal, brutal sort of tactical sport and a war of attrition. And I feel like if we change too many rules, we could lose that. And some of the proposed rule changes, I really struggled to get behind. Um, in saying that, there's no harm in trialling new rules and, and pre-season games if they think that's necessary. Well, I, I think it's been a, a... You've probably got to hand it to the AFL. It's probably been a bit of a success this year. Um, I know probably the shorter quarters has been the biggest thing people have had trouble getting their heads around. But... I mean, we, we've got a bloody night grand final this year yeah, in <laughs> Queensland, of all places. So that's just crazy. Um, I football this year, mate. Yeah, we've got the, I think, the 17 games playing every team once. I think that's good because uh, I think as Suns fans anyway, by this time of the year, we're suffering burnout. We're suffering, that's you good. know, another season where we're not playing finals, just can't wait for it to end so we can focus on the the trade and the draft section. Um, not sure how I'll feel about a seventeen round season if we're pushing to play finals, but I I gotta say I'm a, probably a fan of it. I think it's going to make life a bit more interesting and not drag drag out a season. Um, I, don't, I don't know if this is uh, sort of new uh, info. I, I it came out like. I think a couple of days ago that the ASL was even looking at, um, I think through like, because of financial reasons, they're looking at extending the season to 28 games, which is much more than the normal 22 games. Uh, and I think that was purely because they feel like Channel 7 hasn't had the, well, Channel 7 and Fox haven't had the, the games allowed to them. So they wanted to extend it to 28 next year, which would be, yeah, really hard for our young side, I think, um, if that is true. Yeah, it would, um, and they wouldn't want to be tampering with list sizes if that was the case. I, I see the value in that. I understand what they're trying to do. I wouldn't expect there to be a preseason competition. They should just jump straight into it. I mean, that's basically four weeks wasted. Um, however, I think if they're going to go that far ahead, they might as well just go all out and try to squeeze in uh, playing each each other twice, which would be... 30, 34 games, 34 rounds. Um, but then again, that probably is a bridge too far. Um, Becoming a bit like A-League where it's just an incredibly long season. I don't know if we could keep eyeballs on the TV for that long. Well, it's a good thing you mentioned A-League because the reason that works in the in the soccer is because they, they don't really... I'm not sure about the A-League. I think they've got a grand final. But I'm thinking Premier League... It's basically whoever finishes on top of the ladder and they have a war of attrition to see who really is the best team over the entire season. Um, whereas we have a, we have finals, we have an elimination, uh, you get a chance, you get a second chance to prove that you're worth the, uh, worthy of being the best team in the competition. So I think 
in that regard, I think finals are more valuable to the to the AFL than playing every team twice. Um, and that's probably my reasoning for supporting a 17-game season because I'd much rather see maybe the top 10 teams play finals or the top six play finals. But before we get into that, we have a, a, a wildcard final series where a 7 to 10 playoff. Um, there's so much that can be done and I'm glad that the AFL has decided to experiment a bit this season to see what can be done and hopefully some of this stuff carries over. Uh, all right, let's get back on track talking Suns. A lot of the talent for the, the Suns this year has really come to the front. We've seen Rao, Anderson, Rankin, a lot of things to get excited about. Who do you think your front runner is for the Rising Star? Uh, I think, without a doubt, I think it's going to be Noah Anderson. He just uh, gets better with each game. He's quick, he's hard as nails, and not to mention, he's, like, re- he's really classy by foot for someone who's at his age. Uh, just an incredible young player. It's, yeah. yeah, in general. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, a Stephen Bradbury, isn't it? He's sort of the last <laughs> one standing, but that's nothing to take away from Noah Anderson. He's been sensational. It's just that's he's like, had so many other Suns players sort of have their moment and eclipse him that he just goes under the radar. And the, as as the season goes on, he looks more and more like a, the, the best player from this draft. Um yeah, he had another great game against uh, Collingwood. He was one of our best players against Brisbane when the rest of the team struggled. Um, yeah, Noah Anderson definitely got to be in with a shot. Um, I think, obviously, his, his main competitor is going to be Caleb Sarong. And I probably need to do my research on Caleb Sarong in time for next week and we'll figure out whether Noah Anderson can really push his case. Um now, trade targets for next season. Uh, the club was looking at Brad Crouch last year, but that became too hard. Do you think they still target someone like Brad Crouch if he's on the free agency market? Or do you think we look to fill another position, maybe a key defender to replace Rory Thompson? I think um, the Brad Crouch would be quite a, a good picker. I think we do need to bolster our midfield uh, a little bit more, but... Um, I've heard reports that Brad Crouch might be entertaining an offer from Geelong because so, um, he's good mates with Patrick Dangerfield, obviously, so we might have missed out there. But um, I think, ideally, our midfield and perhaps, as you said, a, a key position backline player, uh, a mature player that can you know really sort of act as a general down there. I mean, Collins does that as well, but we I think we yeah are, are missing a few links in sort of the midfield to the backline area. Yeah, no no rumoured link, no players rumoured or linked to the Suns that fills that sort of mould yet. Uh, we've had Nathan Broad discussed, uh, but I don't think he plays that key forward. He's more of a, a mid to small sort of uh, rebounding defender. Uh, our last guest, Paul Vosti, had the really good idea of... Uh, Darcy Moore from Collingwood and we saw just how damaging he was and how effective he was last night against Coll- uh, against the Suns and if the Suns could persuade him to come up here that would be an absolute coup for the club uh, another player that's come to mind in the last few days Jake Carlisle from St Kilda certainly a talented AFL footballer 
but he seems to have some attitude issues which might hold him back a bit. Do you think Jake Carlisle is someone the club should look at? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd give it a look for sure. I, I don't know if I'm too concerned with our behaviour. We, we have to be careful because we have had culture issues in the past and I think the culture we've got now is really important and, and really well done. Um, but I think that, um, you know, uh, particularly with younger players, it, it can um, often just be a matter of time before they sort themselves out. So hopefully that's the case. And, and you know, I'm certainly willing to entertain any offer for, from anyone that's willing, wanting to come up here and, and be a key part in some success. Yeah, well, hopefully with the uh, AFL being played on the Gold Coast, more people enjoy the, the climate, more people enjoy what the city has to offer, and yeah, uh, more players come to the club looking for a getaway, really. Now, before we jump into the match reviews, we'll touch on that stuff, but I want to talk about some of the news that's dropped in the last week and a half, two weeks. Uh, Conan Butterick has re-signed, which is fantastic. Uh, star player for the club. Uh, we've heard all the talk about Raoul and Anderson re-signing this week. It's uh, it's our next best selection in Connor Butterick. So it's good to have him on board. Um, Hanley has retired from the club, so that's a shame. But he's retired effective immediately. Um, he was probably struggling to maintain his spot this year. Uh, but he, he has... He's had a horrible run with injuries since he came to the club, but he hasn't lacked in talent, that's for sure. Um, And the Suns have eclipsed their members' record of all time with 16,236 members. So I think we had around 15,000 back in 2012 as the... No, 2014, as it looked like we were rising up the ladder. So good news there for the football club and they've really pushed those memberships and done really well uh finally the last piece of news is Connor Butterick is done for the season he's injured his collarbone I'm not sure if it was broken or not um I don't have that page up in front of me but either way he's out for the season and hopefully he can get well soon and prepare for his next second preseason in the AFL because he's become a a pretty much essential player of the Gold Coast Suns backline. So, with all that said, let's get into the match review. Gold Coast Suns, 6 goals, 7-43, were defeated by Brisbane, 13 goals, 10-88. It's a 45-point loss. Now, this is a game which was pretty pathetic uh, in all regards. I watched it live on TV you were there to watch it live in person, Brody, because you're based up in Brisbane. Um, I thought it was pretty sluggish. We came out pretty poor. Our disposals, our decision-making, our composure, our aggression was all well down and not AFL standard. Uh, it's not the first time the club's come out like this after a long break. We saw it against GWS early in the season. We saw it against Port Adelaide at the very start of the season. So... Hopefully next year, when we talk about what we want from the Suns next year, I don't want to see any performances like this next year. That's probably my goal. Yeah, definitely. It was really evident like, being live at the ground. Um, 
sort of we, we were out runned, out tackled, and out gunned in the midfield with a, I think uh, some ridiculous clearance rate that was ten times our own or something. Not to mention you know how classy Neil and Zilko were around the the uh, contests and around the clearances. Um, we were comprehensively outmatched by the Lions. I think uh, in most metrics though, I think we were pretty even. Our disposal efficiency and you know, inside fifties and pressure acts were pretty even. I think we even uh, dominated the hitouts thanks to Witsy in Ruck, who's had a great season as he usually does. And um, I think where we were really damaged was cut up in the contest, uh, particularly in stoppage clearances, which yeah, I think indicated more of a developed structure from the Alliance and their ability to win the ball. Uh, our inside 50 usage was downright terrible and too few contributors around the ground. I think only three Suns players, Ellis, Greenwood and... Noah, we're in the top 10 possession getters on the ground. So, yeah, based on all of that, I think it's pretty clear that we were, A, not first for the contest, which has forced us to play sort of uh, chase football and not our natural game of aggression. Uh, two, while our pressure acts were equal of that alliance, I think we clearly didn't handle our own medicine very well. Uh, we fumbled under pressure and... and um, yeah, I think three lines were just so classy and skillful that um, even though we had similar mistakes and turnovers, uh, the Lions were just much better at making us pay for our mistakes. Um, yeah, uh, we clearly just, uh, we couldn't, you know, match them in the midfield and uh, that was really disappointing to see. Yeah, that's where we lost it right from the start, wasn't it? Um You've done a really good analysis there. It it basically was that midfield. It was Zorko, it was Neil, it was Robinson. They were all getting on top of the Suns in that middle. Um, you know, I think Bose was manning up on Cam Rayner, and Cam Rayner kicked three goals and had opportunities for several more. So players just weren't being accountable. I don't know where they were losing it. Like, I was dumbfounded for this game. And it's pro- I think it's the second time this season I've turned off the game before it was over. Uh, I turned it off at three-quarter time and went to bed because I wasn't going to watch any more of this crap. Um, let's move on to the Gold Coast-Collingwood game, which was much more entertaining to watch. Gold Coast, 6 goals, 10-46, were defeated by Collingwood, 10 goals, 8-68. That was a 22-point loss. The only multiple goal scorer there was Sexton with three. Um, Criticisms for the game, well, I guess our conversion rate for goals, 6 goals, 10, says it all. Uh, Even kicking two of of those goals would have got us a lot closer to to Collingwood than the uh, 22 points that we lost by. And I don't like singling out a single player, but the lack of awareness that Holman showed in that third quarter directly resulted in us not being able to kick a goal and then Collingwood going down the end and kicking one. So it was a classic 12-point play. Uh, right at a crucial time where I think the Suns were about to get some momentum. And um, something like that just kills you. I mean, Holman had no reason to play on from the goal square. But for some reason, no one was talking to him or he wasn't aware that there was a player breathing down his neck. So, I think in that instance in particular, um, I think we were, that was at the end of the third quarter and if we'd kicked that, we would have gone 
into the last change with uh, a goal up or something like that. Yeah. And uh, that really could have turned the tide. Like we, we really could have set this sort of standard when we came out on the the last break. Um, so it was really disappointing to yeah get that um, and it'd be turned around for a Collingwood goal in particular. Yeah. Yeah, we would have gone into that quarter one point up. Instead, we went into that quarter um, eleven points down. It's a huge difference, huge change in the momentum of that game, and. Yeah, Holman's got to do better than that. He he's an experienced body in that in that side. Uh, we were really unlucky with Sean Lemons, who got injured very early on in the game. Hardly took part in it. Um, he's got a horrible history, Sean Lemons, with injury. Seems like every second game he plays, he gets injured. Um, but the positives: the pressure was back for most of that game. We were elite in pressure, according to Fox Footy, and. Uh, I felt like uh, we were competing in the air a lot better than we have in any other game. Uh, our aerial contest directly resulted in goals. Uh, Sam Day, Ben King being able to bring the ball down to ground to Sexton, who was on fire in that first quarter. Unfortunately, he didn't do much after that, and no other Gold Coast Suns players stood up to share the load in front of goals, which is probably the biggest concern from the game that one bloke kicked half of our goals and um, no one else could really stand up and convert. I know King had a couple of chances and only got the one. Uh, Corbett kicked a brilliant goal from the tightest of ankles with a drop punt, which uh, surprised quite a few, including Jason Dunstall, who wouldn't shut up about it on the TV. <laughs> so Yeah, we were sitting uh, right in the... Oh, we had a great view of... Um, him kicking it. We were on the other side of the pocket and we could see it like sail just through the, the goals. It was the best angle for it and it was. I was quite surprised. Yeah, it was um, quite an impressive kick, that one. Uh, to do a drop punt from that angle as well was quite an interesting choice. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, surprised by that. Most people would do the uh, the banana kick or something like that, but Corbett backed himself in and showed why he's in the AFL side because he does know how to kick a goal. He he does work hard, gets his hands on the ball. So hopefully we'll see more of Corbett as he becomes more accustomed to this level. Is there anything yeah, else you wanted to say about this game? Otherwise, we might wrap it up there, Brody. I think uh, you pretty sum, you've summed it up pretty well. I think I, I was just happy to see that we earned a little bit of respect back. Our, our attack on the ball, our tenacity at the contest, and our want to win... Um, I think like most games this year was uh, back to its normal level and uh, and Took's pressure in particular um, impressed me and, and how good was Powell off the back line just marking everything. It was so impressive to watch. Yeah, Powell certainly cemented himself into that side now and everyone expects him to be best 22, um, whereas earlier in the season uh, there were a lot of people calling him, calling for him to be dropped when it was clear that he belonged in that side. They were just trying to find a position for him. And now they have off that half-back flank area. All right, uh, we've got Hawthorne this week. Who do you reckon wins? Do you think the Suns can get the points? Yeah, I think so. Just based on um, how Hawthorne's form is and our... And I, I think if we bring the same want to win at the contest and our, our tenacity, I think we'll, we'll be able to get the, the chocolates in this game, I think. Yeah, I do too. Hopefully the Suns can bring it and uh, we go out season 2020 with a, a positive note and something to look forward to besides the draft period for 2021. 
definitely. All right. Well, thanks for joining me tonight, Brody. It's been a pleasure having you on, and we'll have to get you on sometime next year. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks for having me, mate. No worries. And uh, before we wrap up, I've got a very special announcement. Next week's episode will be our final episode for the season, but it's not going to be our worst. It's going to be one of our best with uh, special guests, Cal Toomey, Mitch Cleary and Riley Beveridge all teaming up to bring a G- special GC Sunscast cross AFL Exchange episode where we'll talk all about the Gold Coast Suns 2020 season and what we all expect and look forward to for season 2021. Uh, So until then, go Suns! Gym sessions and sweaty summer activities are back, which means more funky smells in your clothes because sweat leaves behind bacteria that causes those hard-to-remove odors. Clorox Fabric Sanitizer products are ready to zap the stink out of fabrics in your home by getting rid of 99.9% of odor-causing bacteria. Eliminate odors in every load or sanitize fabrics between washes with one of our Fabric Sanitizer products. Search Fabric Sanitizer at Clorox.com to learn more. When it counts, trust Clorox. Use as directed. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores.